Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Dynasty Wonderland podcast with me, the Mad Chatter, Ryan MK, and you can find all of my content at RMK Madness on the Twitters, and of course, by my side, as always, my good buddy, the March Heron, the salary captain, Aaron Stewart. What's up, buddy? Oh, not much, man. As I start off every show... I look forward to Mondays Mm -hmm. as we get to pod together and talk fantasy football, living the dream. Yes. I got to admit, I was, I was running a little bit low on fuel. Aaron and I had a, excuse me, nice little uh, Cole Beasley discussion before the pod. I'm not going to get into it again here. Stupid Cole Beasley, but, (laughs) but so we had a nice little discussion, got got the energy flowing and we're, we're good to go. We're good. We're here. Um, had some interesting stuff over the weekend. I, my son's birthday was on Thursday. He had a Nerf party. So this was great because <clears throat> there was a lot of shooting of the Nerf guns and, uh, and man, we just, we, we had, we had a blast with the Nerf guns. He got this Minecraft Lego set. He's got a bunch of these Minecraft. Like now, Aaron, I fucking love Legos. Okay. I fucking love Legos. I don't know. I have some pictures on my Instagram of we've got a bookshelf with displayed all of our Legos. I have Lord of the Rings, the uh, Helm's Deep Castle. I have the Hogwarts Castle from Harry Potter. I've got I've got the Friends Coffee House from the TV show. I've got all these different sets. And then my son, my both my sons, they've been collecting the Minecraft Legos. And I got to say, I mean, I, I don't really care that much about Minecraft, but these fucking Legos are awesome, dude. These Minecraft Legos, <laughs> I got to tell you. So, yeah, had a lot of fun doing that. And then, of course, Father's Day. So happy belated Father's Day to any fathers out there or single mothers who have to play both roles or anybody who's involved, such as yourself, Aaron, who may be involved in this somewhat of a father figure in someone's life. Happy Father's Day to everyone. I hope you had a good one. And uh, I know I did. I didn't do a damn thing. (laughs) I smoked weed and watched TV. I made the children's watch Mr. Bean with me. You know, Mr. Bean, Aaron? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I, I have the complete series of the show on DVD. And it's been a while since I broke it out. And uh, I threw that shit in. And man, it holds up. It had me cracking up man i love me some mr bean that dude that dude is just so great with his facial expressions right. and whatnot he's so he's so he's already a little goofy looking let's be honest and then he adds <laughs> in the goofy fit he's just so great so that's that's pretty much what i had going on other than watching the playoffs and uh, all i'm gonna say is i'm really excited about the final four teams in the nba playoffs because it's different we're getting something different and you got the Hawks and the Bucks in the East. You got the Clippers and the Suns in the West. And I think it's going to make for a very good Final Four. But that said, the two Game 7s that were played over the weekend were fucking awesome. They were fucking awesome. So we got some good Game 7s, and it looks like we're going to have a good Conference Finals. Very excited with this year's version of the NBA playoffs, Aaron. I'm really digging it. Yeah, because the NBA went through a pretty rough time, in my opinion. Like, the NBA was the most predictable sport for, like, almost a decade. It was like, yeah. oh, the Warriors are going to win. 
uh, LeBron James team was going to win. So when things shook, got shook up this year, and really it was last year during the bubble, um, but but this year, you know, the Lakers got beat in the first round, and the Lakers actually had to play, had to participate in the first ever play-in to mm-hmm. get to the playoffs, and then they still got beat. And then the <laughs> Nets, in which, of course, the Nets had formed this other super team, and these injuries have been just horrible there. I mean, that that Kyrie Irving ankle injury, ooh, that, that didn't look good. No. Um, and, and, you know, I actually – from Kevin Durant's game seven performance, kind of gained a little bit of respect. Yeah, a lot of respect was lost with the way he left the Thunder way back in the day and, and joined joined the Warriors. Like that, honestly, that that hurt a lot of my interest in the NBA. I was like, mm. great, what's the point of watching Kevin Durant join the team that won 73 games? Right. And, I was with you, man. And, and things are kind of coming back around. I've been kind of keeping tabs from a distance there, but I, I like it. I want to say all four teams, the Suns, Clippers, Bucks, and Hawks, none of them have won an NBA championship. Milwaukee, I'd have to go back and check. I can't remember if they won one. No, one or two of the teams have won pre-merger. Yeah, they won some sort of title, and it might have been the Bucks. Maybe okay. that's who I'm thinking of. So but thinking of as Wilson official Boyd. NBA teams, no. We will have a brand new first-time NBA champion this year. And that's fucking cool, man. Because like yeah. you said, it was like that for – I mean, and it seems like it's it's like that a lot in the NBA. You had the Jordan years, and, I mean, yeah. they were they were dominant. And, you know, Kobe there was Shaq. always a team that, uh, some, you know, people thought like, oh, yeah, they could challenge her, but it never happened. And right. I probably would have disliked it more if it wasn't like such a huge thing with watching Jordan with my dad because my dad was from Chicago, so he was Chicago guy. And so he liked the right. Chicago teams. And but I think, it, you know, you had the Bulls and, yeah, you keep going down. You had the Lakers, Shaq and Kobe and but you've had Spurs with some dominant runs, like, yeah. And but even then, there was some variance. And then, yeah, the whole LeBron thing, the Warriors, um, and it, it, yeah, the Warriors always bummed me out because it was just like, who the fuck's gonna be? Who the fuck's gonna be? Nobody's gonna fucking. Be. And then <laughs> the one time I've super hardcore rooted for LeBron James was in it was the Cavs versus the Warriors in the finals. <laughs> And I was just like, come on, LeBron, take these fuckers <laughs> down. And they did. And I was amazed. And uh, and that actually had me gain some respect for LeBron until the whole Hong Kong shit. Uh, and mm. then that went away again. <laughs> but I say I know what you mean about Kevin Durant, because, uh, yeah, he's he's so he's team. such a freak on the court. But. It, it, it was, yeah, the whole going to the Warriors thing was like, come on, man. <laughs> and then and, it was very unlikable, like, when, when he's on Twitter and stuff, like, it's just, you know, it was, this guy is hard hard to root for unless, you know, he plays, plays for your team or you just happen to be the biggest Durant fan. Right. Wasn't a very likable guy. Um, I guess really, still really isn't, but I can respect the talents that he has. Yeah. It's, that stuff doesn't usually bother me. I always figured if I ever made it as a pro athlete, I probably <laughs> would have been a little bit of a dickhead. So <laughs> I, I don't hate on people too much for that, it, it, unless they're doing like really stupid shit. <clears throat> Cole Beasley, but it, 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 <laughs> sorry, but or or LeBron James, he's done some stupid shit. But it, I I can't think of anything that's really 
that KD did that made me go over there. But I also don't think I paid that much attention to his. I think I paid more attention on LeBron specifically because I have an issue with it. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, it, it, it is kind of fun. And I do think part of the reason this year is the way it is, though, is because, you know, you had the crazy year last year. Yeah. They didn't get a proper offseason before starting going into this season. And I, I had saw a stat that not one of the final four teams from last year's playoffs, the bubble playoffs, won a game in the second round. That's because three of them were eliminated in the first round. The Lakers, uh, who else was it? The Heat, the Lakers, the Heat, the Celtics, and then the Nuggets were beat in the second round and they were swept. So no, and they were the other, the fourth team from the final four last. So none of the four teams from last year's final four won a game in the second round. So that tells you that 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 had to have played a part of it. Those teams were broken down. LeBron was hurt. Anthony Davis was hurt for the Lakers. The Nuggets didn't have Jamal Murray. Jokic Mm -hmm. looked tired as fuck halfway through that (laughs) Suns series. And so I think that's what you were seeing is those teams are just kind of beat up a little bit. But regardless, however it happened, it's kind of nice to see some. And again, we're getting... We're going to get, yeah, refreshing. That's a perfect word. And we're going to get a first-time champ. And to me, that's always fucking cool as hell. A first-time champ. So definitely very cool. But we move on to the football. And we're going to get into the fantasy chatter very shortly. The plan is uh, we're going to do another topic wheel we got we got some topics on the wheel we'll get we'll get through a handful of them we'll see how it goes maybe even all of them we'll see we'll see we're gonna do that and, and just go through some things mainly pertaining to mini camp and and you know talk about uh, if there's anything to take away or just to ignore it or whatever because you know you can only take so much from the off season we'll learn a lot more once we get deep into training camp the preseason etc so it is a pretty slow time for news as well but i did want to mention one thing carl nasib from the raiders came out as gay and I just want to applaud the dude. That is very, that takes some balls. I listened to the Dan Levitard show. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they are, well, he's a good friend with uh, this dude, John Amici. John Amici is, you know, former ball player and he's a gay man had, and he was gay the whole time he was playing. But he could never, he was terrified. And if you hear this guy talk, this is one of the most confident, strong, intelligent dudes you will ever hear speak. And to hear him talk about being a, and he's a big black dude, like to hear this guy (laughs) talk about being afraid to talk about his sexual preference is just like, like, man, and that's where shit's at. So for a pro athlete, particularly in football, to come out with it, uh, uh, particularly during this time, it's very cool to see. And it, I just, it, you know, yeah, I guess that's what I got. It's very cool to see. I applaud the courage. And um, I, I was like, he's not the first, though. Wasn't there Michael Sam? But I guess that's Michael what I Sam. Was thinking. Yeah, yeah, but I guess Michael Sam it was already out. 
before the draft and all of that. So that, that may have been it. I remember it, seeing it and I think I was reading it the same way you were. And I was like, well, right. wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. But I think as far as being a current NFL player and coming out, this mm-hmm. would be a first. So, hey, there's a first for everything. There you go. Mr. Carl Nassib, congrats. Uh, I don't know if you have anything to say on it. Mr. It, it, it's seeing that we're now in a time where we're not ridiculing players for that because right. whatever your thoughts are, uh, you know, on, on you know, people with, you know, I know gay marriage is still a little divisive in some areas. I'm from the South. So the right. South is still right. Tends to be pretty conservative, but it's nice at least seeing that there isn't people that are, resorting to name calling and in you know these these fears that these players have have to live in that that they don't have that that you know yes they can now come out and it doesn't affect anything in the sport in terms of how they play with their teammates it's it's nice to see that like with mm-hmm. teammates that they do have each other's back and that right. I, I didn't see any like individual player, like teammates of his, like their reaction, but I'm sure most of the teammates are like, yeah, that's, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I did see a lot of, I, I don't remember seeing any Raiders, but I did see other players. Saquon Barkley was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did see some dudes on some players on Twitter, like good on you, bro. Good shit for you. Right. So that, that was cool to see as well. And I, I just think, but, and, you know, you're talking about players and like how they have to live and things like that. And it's just, you know, it's cool. We're at a place where he's comfortable enough to do that, because, as right. I said, someone like a John Amici at one point in time wasn't. And right. it is kind of difficult. I mean, people act like because these guys make millions of dollars that that they shouldn't complain about anything or be, or have an issue with anything or be afraid of anything. And it's like, man, they're fucking human beings too. They, they might have it a bit easier because they have more money, but I mean, they, they got, that doesn't mean more money doesn't necessarily mean no stress or no problems, you know? I mean, usually it, it can cause division from like, they feel like they can't reach out to anybody because nobody can relate. So right. yeah, it's, it, it is good no matter what, like that there's no heat on this right. because yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. You take just old school, any sports. Oh my gosh. Like I, and I never played, played the sports, but you know, it's, it's back in the day that probably wouldn't have been as accepted. There. No. So it's nice that just teammates are like, yeah, like that's my brother in arms there. No, we're we're gonna go play football and go to war against the other team, and they, they don't care about you know, the stuff. And you right. know, they'll probably get to a point. I, I was seeing some comments too where they're like, you know, there'll probably be a day where it won't be a I want to make sure I phrase it right, like a, a groundbreaking story, you know, it'll just right. be kind of like, oh, cool, you know, right, gay. right, like so. It'll be more normalized and, and that'll come with progress and we're progressing. I mean, it's the same thing with mental illness. Like you hear stories about guys, like, especially in NBA locker rooms back in the day, if they can't talk about being depressed or having anxiety, they'll get, they'll just fucking get ran out of the locker room basically. And like nowadays you have athletes at the forefront talking about this shit. You got, you know, fantasy people on Twitter, like moose fucking love that guy. You know, Mm -hmm all about 
you know, taking care as Marshawn Lynch would say, taking care of your mentals, you know, exactly. and, and, uh, cause that should mental health, just as important as that physical health. So, and you know, so it, we're progressing in a lot of ways and it's good to see, but we'll get into some real football stuff here before we take a break and get into our topic wheel. I decided it's time to have a little discussion about the chop chop about the guillotine league. Now for anyone who has not played the guillotine league, essentially this is a league where, I mean, you can have pretty much as many teams as you want, but you want to try and fill it up. So you have just about one team for every week of the season. You go through your draft. There is no matchups, no head to head. It's a points league, the leaderboard. And the lowest point total, the team with the lowest point total at the end of week one, eliminated from the league, their entire team goes into the free agency pool. You use FAB to bid on the players. After every single week, the lowest team will be eliminated from the league, their players into the free agency pool. And this goes on until the end of the season when there is a one team left standing. It. it is one of the most insane leagues I've ever played. It is absolutely fun. I've done it a few years now. Paul Charchin runs a great site, guillotineleague.com. I was actually a part of the inaugural league on that site last year because he just came out with it last year. And I was a member of the inaugural. I got my ass kicked. Uh, <laughs> mainly because I couldn't figure out how to use the waiver wire. <laughs> oh, I had some trouble with the site. and uh, and. And I was doing a bunch, I can't remember, I had a bunch of stuff going on, but I remember every time I would go into do, I, oh, I can't figure this out, I'll figure out later. And then just the, like a couple of weeks in, I'm just fucked and I'm done. And so, but he's got a great site. And so definitely check that out. Sorry, did you have something to say, Aaron? Well, I was going to say, well, I bet we could, we could do it on Sleeper, you know, and oh, I've, for sure. I've commissioned so much on Sleeper. It's like, yeah, that'd be something that could easily be done so hey maybe we hit up our pals from the roto underworld see if we get a little roto underworld guillotine league going i would definitely be down for that i'm also starting one up on flea flicker i actually just set it up today so of course nice. you are invited to that aaron Whew. but it's it's a lot of guys from all my flea flicker leagues that uh they were in it last year um that was the, oh no it was two years ago was the first one I ran on Flea Flicker. So this will be the third year that I'm doing it on Flea Flicker. So there's going to be a lot of people returning for that one. But uh, there will also be open spots, again, if you're interested. And Absolutely. We'll, so we'll get that going. That's gonna. I'm going to start sending emails out for that this week. And uh, as far as strategy, it's very – you have to treat it very much like a redraft league. Okay, right. you got quarterback – couple of running backs, few receivers, tight end, flex spot. You got a handful of bench spots, okay? Treat it like a redraft league. The only thing is, I would say, and without trying to give away all my secrets, I I would say pay very close attention to schedules for this when you're drafting because you really want to try – and start off well. You want to look at 
when you're, you know, deciding between, hey, if you're in that first round, which top running back do I want to get? Where I'm sitting at whatever spot you're at, check out the schedules because you want to get off to a hot start. You want to get up that leaderboard because the points continue to total. And so if you start out shitty, (laughs) you could be behind and then you're going to be using fab right off the bat to get players from the teams that were dropped. And they're going to be the worst teams that got dropped. So they're going to have less good play. It's just going to be a man. You got to find a way to start off hot. So, you know, that's one of the things I've found is to just check schedules. And that's a good way to say, and you know, it doesn't always work well because defenses vary from year to year, but you can get a general idea of you feel like confident this running back should start out the first few weeks of the season, pretty, pretty hot. So if you feel confident in that draft, that guy, because you really do want to try and attack it from that view that you want to start the season right. Because if you can get up a little bit on that leaderboard, then you could just keep trying to piece by piece build your team as you go along. Only spend your fab on the guys you really want to get. Like I said, if you're down there, you're going to just be trying to spend fab, grab guys to get try and get your ass back up, you know. So right. it's, it's a very tricky thing. You know, injuries, all the stuff. I mean, last year we had all the COVID situation. So, like, there's so much stuff that goes into trying to get through this. And uh, the the first year I did it, I got second place. I actually, I, I tell you, Aaron, I swear, I played that shit perfectly. I got down to the final week. It was me against one dude. I was up by 20 some points. He had no fab. I still had like $60 in fab. I was able to get all the good guys on the waiver wire. And somehow he outscored me plus 20 some points in that final week to win. And uh, so I ended up taking second place. And then last year, I think I got sixth or seventh. I didn't do quite as well. And like I said, in Charchin's, uh, on Charchin's site, guillotineleague.com, uh, I didn't do well at all. So, but it, it's a very tricky league, but uh, it'll be interesting to get into it again. And we will definitely be doing that. We'll do one on Flea Flicker and hopefully we can get one, like you said, going on Sleeper with the entirety of the Roto Underworld crew. That Love would it. fucking be phenomenal because this, I'm telling you, is a, you know, this is a dynasty podcast. We like to talk some best ball because a lot of our buddies like best ball. And I'm actually in a couple of best ball slow drafts right now. We might talk about that nice. next pod. But this is probably, I mean, I love Dynasty, but man, I love me this guillotine league shit. There's fucking nothing like it, dude. I like new stuff, (laughs) and I am intrigued by it. So especially because, you know, one of my questions, and and then you answered it, was I, I was like, does it, like, is it just a matter of surviving each week? But when you're like, whoa, it's cumulative, I'm like, oh, I freaking love that. So. Yeah, there are some leagues that do it week by week. And there's some leagues that will have like a final four and then they'll do it like a total of like point total of like three weeks. Um, but I'm pretty sure Charchin does it the same way that I started running it, running the, the flea flicker ones from day one. And that's the cumulative and it's last man standing. So nice. 
And that's why I said it's important to get in and try and jump up that board as far as you fucking can in week in the first few weeks, because uh, that'll make a huge difference for your longevity, you know, <laughs> but uh, all right. Maybe some, some league types, you know, I'll, I gotta think of maybe something new that we could try. Maybe something that hasn't been done. I'll have to. Oh, oh sorry, sorry. Board. I did not to interrupt. Uh, I'll go to, no, it's all right. I gotta go to the drawing board. I'm gonna see if I can come up with something that'd be a little interesting. I like having leagues where there's multiple ways to get into the playoffs. Dude, so. I have created. I we'll talk about it off uh, off pod off camera sometimes. <laughs> um, but I, and maybe I can just send you the rules I had for it, but I created once upon a time, this insane kind of league where basically there, there was 12 teams, three divisions, but you kind of worked with the teams in your division battle against other divisions. And then, but there was just crazy rules to it. It almost was like involving like, like a fantasy game with fantasy football. You know what I mean? And I had a couple of people that really liked it, but most of the people that I had look at the rules said it was too complicated. So a couple of years go by, I redo it. I try and make it a little bit simpler and still can't really get anybody to bite, but you're a smart dude. We'll have to, we'll have to talk about this and I can send like it to it. you and you'll have to tell me what you like, what you don't like, and maybe what you could, might be able to think of to improve upon it. Maybe we can get something going here and we can use some scraps from one of my ideas. So hey, we should definitely like discuss that off camera. We'll get a uh, dynasty wonderland league. I like it. <laughs> For sure. I love it. All right, man, we're going to come we're going to come back in just a couple of minutes. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to get into this lovely topic wheel. We got some good stuff, good stuff, mini camp topics to get into. And, uh, yeah, that's what's going on. So hang on just one sec, and we'll be right back. We're back. We're back. We're back. Feeling much better, not just for the empty bladder, but uh, for those watching on the YouTube, the hat is gone. Bandana is in. That's right. It's 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 still the same show. I just my my head was getting hot and I've been planning on wearing the bandana. So here it is. And don't worry. Still got the 10 six in this style. Still rocking that. So we're good to go. Chatter is good to go. Aaron. Are you ready for this topic wheel, my friend? Because I oh, good to use it again. I love it. Yes, my friend. Yes, I, we'll see what we get through. I didn't do any danger cards or anything like that today. This will just be a friendly topic wheel discussion with these mini camp storylines. See what we think of them. So we'll go ahead and spin it first. Going first. Mm-mm-mm. Mixing it up, Mr. Joe Mixon. All right. I see what you did there. I love oh, thank it. you. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Mixon. 
apparently getting getting healthy. There's no Gio Bernard there. I mean, there is some Manjay P. Ryan. Yeah. Kind of like Trayvon Williams a little bit still, but I don't imagine anything. Puka Williams undrafted there. Not much behind mixing, you know? If the O-line steps up. Chris Evans. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Oh, did Puka go there too? I think Puka went there as well. Okay. But you're right. You're right. No, you're right. The major thing is no Bernard, and it's a whole bunch of unproven or unsexy um, names behind Nixon. No, but you were right about (laughs) – it's such a – that's such a funny name, Chris Evans. Anyway, but I believe if the O-line steps up, the overall offense will be improved. You got Joe Burrow year two, yes, coming off the injury, but added Jamar Chase. I mean, this could be a decent defense. Mixon stays healthy. Could be worth taking a chance on this year. I'm probably staying away from him still in Dynasty, personally, because, I mean, he's getting starting to get there in age. So, redraft things like that. I actually, I drafted him in one of my best ball slow drafts that I mentioned previously. And I do think this year he has a chance to be highly productive. Um, so, I do think redraft things like that guillotine leagues i think it's worth taking a chance on but i'm probably not going out and trading for him in dynasty leagues uh but what do you think aaron reach out the thing i'm gonna be watching is adp uh right now his underdog adp is at 15.1 and, and at first like i saw that and i was like oh there's no way we're talking early second round and then you kind of look and you're like well that's that may be more of an underdog thing because underdog, usually you're going to have a bunch of running backs go, go early. Typically mm-hmm. the first 12 picks there, the only non running backs, it's going to be Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey from my experiences in, in doing these drafts. So I'm curious to see when we get into redraft season, uh, where his ADP is going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the interesting stats that you talked about, like they, they fed him a lot. He averaged 18.7 weighted opportunities per game, which is tied for number three in the NFL for people unfamiliar with what that is, is it's, it sounds the way it sounds is how it is. Like there's, there's opportunities per game, which measure like your touches. But as we all know that if you play in PPR leagues, that the receiving game aspect for a running back is worth so much more than, than just a carry. So the, the Bengals were featuring him a lot and now there's no geo open heart, but on the other side, they have a nasty start to the season. They're their first three opponents, the Vikings, the bears and the Steelers defenses. Oof, that is not very, not very enticing there. And, and so I may be avoiding him in ADP because even if he is solid mid to late second round pick, like I can't draft a guy in the second round that ends up doing nothing against the tough defenses next year. Mm-hmm. I'll be kind of watching a little bit more, but it is, it's going to be opportunity, but man, like, can you, can you survive a pretty brutal three game stretch to the start of the season? And then also kind of look at the game logs last year. It did seem to get better, but like, his, his six games he played before he got hurt, there was one massive game against the Jaguars. That was a three-touchdown, 181-yard game. 
which was 42.1 points. It's number one that, uh, that week. He only had one other top 12 performance, and then there was another performance in the top 20. He started off slow those first three games, and it's, it's conflicting. So I'm mainly going to be watching ADP, right? We don't hate players. We hate ADPs. And, and I know that's such a cliche thing to say about, yeah, like eh, the ADP is too bad, but it really is in this case. Seeing his ADP, if his ADP is closer to what it is an underdog, I'm staying away. I, I can't. Like that, there's a lot of question marks with, with the Bengals. There's Joe Burrow, and like, what's his status going to be to start the season coming back with a pretty bad knee injury? So, right. rough, rough start to the season with team defenses, but he was fed a lot with Bernard and he would see more. It's, man, it's crazy. <laughs> I'm torn, but right now, if I had to say an answer, I'm avoiding. Well, now I feel like an ass for drafting him in the second round of my best ball. <laughs> not really, best ball's fine. Yeah. Not really, though, because you know what? I, I got J.K. Dobbins in the third round. Like, I started off my draft, Jonathan Taylor, Joe Mixon, J.K. Dobbins. So I was like, ah, I'm cool with that. Because these couple drafts I'm doing now, I'm not going to get too much into best ball. But I really loaded up on the running backs in the beginning of the draft. Certainly. And then just started hitting everything else after I got a few running backs. So... Um, but yeah, I really like what you said about Mixon actually, because it, it, like I said, I, I'm not going to be going out and looking for him in dynasty, but I guess I'm looking at it as the last couple of years I've avoided him. <laughs> and I'm like, if, if for me, if I'm going to take a chance on Joe Mixon ever, it's probably going to be this year. And so, but I, you know, that's also counting on an improved offensive line, improved offense, because that improved offensive line would necessitate a better protection of Joe Burrow, better run blocking, et cetera. So we know what they did in the draft. We know what they did in free agency. We know they had some guys. They're hoping to see improvements from this year. So right. we'll see what happens with this line, and we'll see what that does for the offense, because I really think that's the key. Um <clears throat> but I could see it happening, but I could also see it not happening. <laughs> and that is a rough start to the schedule, as you mentioned. So there's good and there's bad. That's, <laughs> that's the yes. way to summarize this. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. But you know what? That best ball draft, that's the one fucking draft that like, I don't have them anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I just, I've, yeah, I've pretty much avoided him. So I, I like him in best ball because there is incredible upside. We just saw last, last season, as I mentioned, a 42 point week. And, and the two performances after that weren't so bad. 15.4, 14.9. It, it's just, man, like if you had to, plug them into a lineup that's it's tough but you can get away with it right. in best ball because you don't have to you don't have to set lineups <laughs> exactly fair point all right next to spin a uh, mr gray so mr. i would mr. like gray. mr aaron to lead off the conversation about mr gray all i'm gonna say is that what got me on this was that Lewis Riddick from ESPN, and I actually respect what this dude 
has to that like there's not a lot of these guys that were like formerly in the NFL like you see like Eric Mangini on ESPN and you're like give me a break guys like that Rex Ryan although I do find him funny at times but Lewis Riddick kind of knows his shit and he says watch out for Noah Gray from Duke the Chiefs like him a lot and again offseason chatter but you look at it We've, we've seen this dude's profile. We know what this dude's about. Is there anything to this? Could the Chiefs start running some two tight end sets? I mean, is there anything possibly to this? And could we actually see Noah Gray make some sort of impact this year? What do you got on Mr. Gray, Aaron? Certainly. So you hit one of the major things was the, the use of 12 personnel and people that um, may not be familiar when we throw terms like 11 personnel, 12 personnel is that double digit number tells you uh, the number of running backs and tight ends. So the first number tells you how many running backs. So if it's 12 personnel, the one represents one running back and the two represents two tight ends. Mm-hmm. So 12 personnel use usage for the chiefs, there is Here's the past three seasons. Very interesting trend. 2018, way back 2018, their 12 personnel use was utilized 28% of the time of their offensive snaps. It's number four in the NFL. The next season, 2019, once again, they hit 28%. That was good for number five in the NFL. 2020, last season, it plummeted to 18%. That was number 18 in the NFL. They were below average in the NFL. The Chiefs drafted Noah Gray for a reason. That's because they want to get back to the two tight end set. That's that's their most dangerous set in, in years past. And also the, the other interesting thing is they lost Sammy Watkins. Yes, they drafted Cornell Powell, but Powell was drafted after Noah Gray. So Gray was the first offensive weapon they drafted, receiving game weapon that they drafted. They didn't add any notable receivers. It, they kept Pringle and Nicole Harbin's expected to get a bigger role. They are clearly trying to go back to the two tight end set. So Noah Gray will be on the field uh, as soon as, as day one. It may be a Harrison Bryant type situation, which Harrison Bryant, he had a big game his rookie season. He had a two mm. touchdown game. Uh, the thing that I, I am kind of concerned with is, is that role. Because if you go back to 2018 and 2019 with the Chiefs, the number, the number two tight end, the guy that was getting all the work in 2018, it was Demetrius Harris. Oh, man, what could have been in Dynasty. Right. Guy had all the athleticism, former basketball player. But ultimately, he had bricks for hands, couldn't catch anything, and they just kept him out there to use his athleticism for blocking. And then 2019, it was Blake Bell. And Bell has been able to survive in the NFL based solely on his ability to just block because he, mm. he is a non-factor. In, in the receiving game. So with Noah Gray, I'm concerned about that role of being the number two tight end. I I believe that he'll get a good amount of playing time. I know people in Dynasty, they go and they draft Cornell Powell like as a late round flyer because it's, hey, it's a receiver on the Chiefs offense. Now, Noah Gray is going to be the guy that's going to get playing time, knock on wood, if he can stay healthy. I just wonder if he's going to just be the Demetrius Harris, be the Blake right. Bell, and just be out there blocking. And, and there are some good workout metrics for him. And that college dominator was 97th. No, the breakout age was 18.4, 97th percentile. Uh, 
And maybe it's because this offensive Duke, and I'm not a guy to go and, and look at all these college teams, but maybe that Duke offense was just that piss poor. But like the, the stats were just not, not good at all. Failed to exceed 400 receiving yards in, in his junior season where he caught 51 passes. Maybe that's, maybe it's the Duke offense. They're not exactly known for football. Um, that's what I was going to say. It, it is Duke. <laughs> it's dude, they're basketball. It's a basketball school. Um, the thing that I am just concerned is he, he measures in 6'3, 240 pounds. His arm length is the 10th percentile. I go, his workout metrics aren't good enough to overcome that lack of size. So, real life football, I think he's going to play quite a bit, but I, man, I, I, I know Travis Kelsey was hyping him up. I just I don't see it. Not in that role. Not as number two. It won't. This won't be Harrison Bryant 2.0 because mm. that offense utilizes two tight ends, and, and both of Harrison them are receiving options. Well, I love Harrison Bryant too. I was big on that guy. I just never could get on board with Noah Gray. But and mm. and this is the tough time of the offseason. Everyone's got hype. Every rookie is is you know a steal um, and. Maybe it's Travis Kelsey trying to hype up his his rookie teammate to give him some confidence boost. And, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for a guy. Hey, any rookie, especially drafted on day three, to, to carve out a role, hey, awesome. That that would be – that'd be great. I just, I'm not quite feeling it with this guy. I think at best he's going to be the run-blocking tight end, but you're going to see the Chiefs go back. Like, they dropped down to 18% in usage of 12 personnel. They want to get back to 28%. Okay. Okay. You know, I was never big on Noah Gray either. Um, but you do got to look at this with so much being said about him and say, okay, like you said, if they want to get back to that, could they potentially also be looking to utilize that second tight end more? Um, but I definitely understand that. Is, it, honestly, you mentioned someone earlier who's really the chief I want to target, and that's Byron Pringle, the Pringle man. This guy is who everybody's looking at McCole Hardman. No, no. I like Pringle this year. There's a reason he's still there. I think uh, he could be a beneficiary this season, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see with Mr. Gray, but uh, hmm. Yeah, like you said, though, they can't, they can't all – you're going to hear so much hype. It can't all be right. Like, <laughs> I think what it does tell you, though, is if not Gray, they are trying to get a good second tight end. They, they were kind of mm-hmm. lacking last year is what Dion Yelder and oh, I don't even remember the other guy. Like that's how, that's how bad it was. Like right. they had Harris for like five years and – Blake Bell has been a quality NFL player. Like he, mm-hmm. there's a reason that he still jumps from team to team, and this team's value what he brings in, in his blocking. So the, the Chiefs are trying to find a quality number two tight end. Well, we'll see what happens with the Mister Gray, and we move on again to the wheel. Haskins. Okay. So this was an interesting one. And this is a very loose topic. I don't know how else to put it. There was just something I read where 
Tomlin and Haskins seem to be building a relationship. Tomlin's working on building a relationship with a one Mr. Dwayne Haskins. Now, I put this in here because I do wonder, they did nothing in the draft for quarterback. They have to know. This is the end year for Ben. Now, maybe they plan on looking at it next year. But I look at this and I'm like, I wonder if there's some faith there in Dwayne Haskins. I mean, there were some of us that thought, hey, maybe Dwayne Haskins could be pretty good. And I don't know. It seems like he has some work ethic issues and he was in a mess of an organization and you, you know, Ron Rivera came in and said, I don't want this guy. You know, I want my own guy. And I feel like Mike Tomlin, there's a lot to the idea that coaches don't matter, but there are some things where coaching does matter. And, and some of it is off the field. And Mike Tomlin dealt with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. And I think we can look at this, these motherfuckers now and go, how did he keep both them dudes under wrap? Because they, they are both fucking idiots, man. <laughs> so I'm like, how, like he had to deal with both those guys. I'm like, to me, that I just feel like Tomlin's a good players coach. He's a good people person. He Absolutely. gets, he gets, he builds relationships with these dudes and gets the most out of them. And that makes me wonder if there's potential there for Haskins. And all I'm saying is throw him at the end of your dynasty bench. If he's out there on the waiver wire in a super flex draft, grab him at the end of the fucking draft, you know, like it's, it's a flyer. It's a lottery ticket. You don't know, but I feel, I just feel like there's something there once upon a time. Some thought there was potential for Dwayne Haskins. Can Tomlin bring that out of him? Can Tomlin get him on track with how he's working on his game, what he's doing to prepare? And, and can it blossom from there? Maybe, maybe. So I, that's why I brought it up because I think there's a potential there for, I always say, keep a few spots on the end of your dynasty benches for just players you can switch in and out, throw on it. This is a guy I think, is going to be available in quite a few leagues. Get him on your fucking bench, draft him at the end of a draft, and just see what happens. That's all I'm saying because it, it, it just feels like there could be, could be. And I know, trust me, I know Dwayne Haskins was terrible <laughs> in Washington. But again, I'd like to see what could happen working with a Mike Tomlin. So, what, what are your thoughts, Aaron? Yeah, the first thing I want to, to say about Dwayne Haskins is for his career, he made the right choice going to Pittsburgh because you're right, Mike Tomlin, he's a player's coach. He knows how to get the most out, out of guys. And if anything, if it's not a future in Pittsburgh, at least Tomlin will prepare him as a professional to, to go somewhere else. So right. like really the only other spot that would have been better is – you go to you join Sean Payton down in New Orleans, which is just right. this quarterback factory. Of, you go there, you fix 
fix your problems and mm -hmm. you do a year or two of service and then suddenly you know you're teddy bridgewater you're james winston you have right yeah value again in the nfl so dwayne haskins choosing pittsburgh that that was smart because he could have he could have signed somewhere that needed a quarterback but i i think he, either haskins or his team you know were able to convince him that this was the right decision right now going forward with that like you know me the salary captain I dug into the contracts here because uh, there are two major things going on. Dwayne Haskins, first off, he got all the guarantee money from Washington. So, of course, he just signed a minimum a minimum contract. It's not the money that Pittsburgh will pay him that's valuable. It's that experience of going to Mike Tomlin, who's one of the most accomplished coaches. But at the right. end of the day, he has a minimum contract, no guaranteed money. It's an easy contract to, to move on from if he doesn't mm -hmm. out. And the other thing is, and there wasn't a lot of coverage, and it, you know, it was a small transaction, but Mason Rudolph actually signed a $5 million extension. He's under contract for next offseason, which Dwayne Haskins isn't. That could change. Like, there's still, my, my belief is that it's a competition between those two guys to mm -hmm. be Big Ben's backup. But Mason Rudolph, like that, that $5 million also with all the guarantee money. Like he's safe. He can't be cut this um, this offseason, this preseason, because there's it will cost more money to not have him on the team than it will to have him on the team. Right. They made enough investment in Rudolph to where I'm like, yeah, I think at best with Haskins, he makes a case as the number three uh, QB, which honestly, for for him, if not a lot of people get a second chance. I really hope he's able to grab this this chance. I'm right. with you in Dynasty. I mean, yeah, if he's free, if he's just sitting there, like, yeah, pick him up. Like, there's there's no harm in that because if it doesn't work out, oh, well, you drop him. You pick up another lottery ticket. Right. There's still, I mean, he, he has first-round draft pedigree. Like, the NFL had to see something in him. Now, whether that's just all potential that will never be fulfilled, we'll see on that one. But, right. yeah, and my expectation for, for Haskins is – He's the third string quarterback. It's, I guess it's similar to Jameis Winston this past season where it was Drew Brees as the starting QB and Taysom Hill was clearly the backup QB. Mm -hmm. had the investment and also just the, he had been with the team for a while, just like Mason Rudolph is going into what his fourth season, I believe. So, yeah, fourth right. year with, with the Steelers. So you can see some parallels there with the Haskins situation, Winston situation. Does Haskin have the talent? We've seen it from Winston. We don't know yet with Haskin. Right. If anything, just going to a coach that will tell him straight, you know, he'll tell him what he what it's going to take to last in this league. That's that's great for Haskins. I agree. And I didn't know about the 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 Mason Rudolph thing, but I, that makes sense. He knows the system. When we last saw him in relief, he actually wasn't terrible right. so i mean it, you know i could see why they would want to keep him around and dwayne haskins is essentially a flyer for the steelers too you know right. if tomlin can coax that potential out of him then he's likely better than mason rudolph and if not then like you said very easy to move on from so Absolutely. i think it may be next year 
Like the, mm-hmm. the thing we have with Winston and Taysom Hill on, oh, who's going to be the guy to take over because Winston resigned? We may have the, the same thing in Pittsburgh is that Haskins resigns and competes with Mason Rudolph. It, it'll be it'll be a fun one to watch. If someone picks him up in Dynasty, it's not a waste. Of, like, you just have to be patient. Like I would expect right. nothing from Haskins this year. Yeah, I probably wouldn't either. Yep. Yeah. I'm with you. All righty. Let's see where we go from here, my friend. A less kinky Lance. So, basically, read a report about uh, a one Trey Lance in San Francisco, and the reports indicated that the 49er staff was working with Trey Lance on working out the kinks in his mechanics, you know, trying to, trying to work on all of this. And because when they come back for training camp, they really want him to be able to unleash his full arsenal during that time. Thought this was interesting because this says to me, this isn't someone, this, this isn't a staff that sounds like, they're wanting to take their time with Trey Lance. <laughs> this sounds like they want him to fucking go. And maybe part of it is they want to try and get something for Jimmy G. Maybe that's part of it. Um, I don't know. But I do feel like, to me, this sounds like they want him in there sooner rather than later. Certainly. Uh, the takeaway I took from it is you work on the mechanics because you want to you want to improve the accuracy of the pass in a Shanahan offense. Uh, offense, it's a West Coast offense. It's all about the short to medium throws there mm-hmm. because it's it's a very simple thing. The three major weapons: it's George Kittle, it's Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, whichever order you you want those guys in. And what right. do all three of those guys have? Those are guys that you just simply get the ball in their hand. And they mm-hmm. us. Uh, I, I mentioned this, you know, Santiago Casanova, Casanova sorry. Uh, one of my favorite follows uh, on Twitter. The, the dude, he, he's smart. He, he, he's doing some really good stuff there. He's a rising star in, in this industry. And he mentioned this, and, and I remember this too back in, man, it might have been January, February, but Devo Samuel has one of the most unique stats I've ever seen. And they track it a little bit differently at Proto Fantasy. But uh, was it Proto? Oh, I'm sorry, guys. I think it's Proto Fantasy. Good group of guys there. But Debo Samuel had 391 yards receiving last year. 389 yards from player profiler were deemed yards after catch. Holy crap. Only two yards were air yards and 389 was yak. Like, we haven't Ooh. seen this much yak. Like the, the yards after catch per target, like Debo was well over eight. It it was insane. Yeah. So the people that forget how good Debo Samuel is because of injuries, like that that stat line shows you. Like there is honestly in redraft, it's probably be my hot take here. I, at ADP, I would rather have Debo Samuel than Brandon Ayuk because Debo Samuel 
I, I'm with you. I think has at least 100%. a 50-50. Yeah, it, Debo's got at least a 50-50% chance of being the wide receiver one there. And it may even be higher. And of course, because Ayuk, who was fantastic last year um, and deserves to be drafted where he is, like Debo was forgotten about because of injuries. But right. the main point in all this is George Kittle, he, he had 297 yards of yak. That was number five among tight ends last year. And oh yeah, he only played in eight games, and yet he was top five in yak. Brandon Ayuk finished finished twenty. That's fucking insane. <laughs> that shows like that Kittle is still <laughs> George Kittle, and, and you know me, I'm a Johnny fan. George Kittle and Johnny Smith, those are the two most dangerous tight ends. You get the ball in their hand, and they do the rest. But Kittle, like as long as he could stay healthy, he, he's a freak. And, and I mentioned these guys like, yeah, we are, we're all familiar with the big three weapons there, but those are, those guys are just yak guys. And so they work on the mechanics because they want Trey Lance to be able to deliver those short passes because it's a lot different. He's going from like North Dakota state to the NFL. It's a big right. change. And, and they're working on him getting that ball out quick because that's really, like, I, I don't know if easy would be the right word there, but. In terms of quarterback, like he's not having to throw these deep passes. No, no, no. <laughs> they just they're like, hey, we have three freaks on offense. We just mm-hmm. want you to be able to get the get the. Uh, I don't know how many step backs. I didn't watch the full. I really didn't watch the videos. I saw like the clip, but I wasn't paying attention to his feet. I guess like what a, a, a three step drop back, five step drop back. No, one of those quicker ones. It's not going to be a seven step drop back on that. So working on something just a little different that he might not have done in North Dakota state, but he has right. the weapons. They love the weapons. They love his arm. They love everything. It's just getting them used to that. It's, we see this with all kinds of rookie quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield had to do the same thing from you know, taking snaps under center instead of in shotguns. So it's, it's, I think the reason we get more hype on that is with Garoppolo, Garoppolo knows, he knows his offense. So you know, of course, they're going to focus more on Trey Lance because they they know right. they know what they have. They know what they have with Jimmy G, and it's just getting Trey Lance uh, used to their system, which is all about get that ball out fast. <sighs> okay, we're gonna move. On. Sorry, I was I I, I lost <laughs> track. I I think the the spinner was starting to get to me, even though it wasn't spinning. <laughs> A little okay. So we knocked out less kinky Lance. Honestly, I was trying to remember which other one you were really excited to talk about. Anyway, so I think we're halfway through at least the topic. So we'll at least get a couple more in here. We got to make sure we go till we get to your top. Oh, we already did the Haskins. That is quite mesmerizing. Elijah Moore hype. Now I think we've 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 talked about him before. You love him, but it sounds like he was tearing it up during minicamp. Praise from Coach Sala, his work ethic and mindset off the charts. Charts he says, dudes route running, et cetera, et cetera. They're lining him up in the slot, the outside. They love this guy. It might be the off season, but. I remember every time looking at the rookie rankings on player profiler and seeing Elijah Moore so far down there. And I remember you professing your love for Elijah Moore. And I pay more and more attention to him. 
and I like him more and more. And it's funny, Elijah Moore, I like him more and more. And then this comes out and I'm like, well, it sounds like they love him and they're putting him all over the field. This is great. I love it. I love it, Aaron. What do you think about your boy? Is this, we buying into the hype? Are we pumping the brakes at all? Are we pumping the brakes? Oh, the, the, the brakes have been cut. There's, there's no more, <laughs> there's no more brakes. It, it's full on. And yes, I'm a little biased here, but like the, the most impressive thing about, about Elijah Moore is, and, and I actually have an amazing tweet that, that I put there. Uh, and one of the things I added to it is I took a screenshot of my main dynasty league and I show that not only did I trade up to take Elijah Moore, but the very next pick was Devontae Smith. I took Elijah Moore over Devontae Smith because everyone knows that Devontae Smith had this amazing Heisman Trophy uh, season, his, his senior season. Mm-hmm. And I like looking at the advanced stats and I go, that's nice and all. But Elijah Moore as a sophomore had a more impressive season, in, in my opinion, because the, the, the counting stats weren't there. He had 67 receptions for 850 receiving yards. But it was the target share. He commanded a 35.2% target share, which exceeded Devontae Smith's senior year target share. And, and that seeing that type of production, especially a sophomore season, that was that would have been the first season that Metcalf and AJ Brown were gone. And Elijah Moore is like, no worries, no worries, guys. I got you. And he right. followed that up with a 30% target share the junior season. Back to back 30 plus percent target shares like this was actually mentioned on the mind dimension the the latest podcast from from matt kelly of imagine just imagine elijah moore and Devontae smith switch places oh my god we would be talking a lot more about elijah moore but now we don't have to worry about people talking more about elijah moore ah see what i did there because yeah. <laughs> now the the new york jets they're seeing it and and everyone always thought they're like Elijah Moore will be in the slot. And, and you know what? I'm guilty of going, yeah, they drafted Elijah Moore by Jamison Crowder. Okay, Jamison Crowder didn't get released like I thought. And actually looking back, my process was what the Jets did was smart. You go and you, and you say, Crowder, you're going to take less money and you're going to have to deal with it because free agency is done. That's smart business there. And Elijah Moore is built like a slot receiver, 5'9", 178 pounds, but he's more than that. He can play on the outside. And mm-hmm. his best comparable is Tyler Lockett. And, <laughs> and I'm going to go bold there. I, I think he could, be, he could be Antonio Brown. He could be Antonio Brown. He could be a Stephon Diggs. Like, yeah, he's not going to have size. He's just that damn good at being a receiver. And we're already right. seeing it. He's he's making plays on the outside. Like he's starting outside right now, and then they move him into the slot to whenever there's three receiver sets. So I'm absolutely on board with Elijah Moore. He's the best receiver there. Sorry, Corey Davis, no. It ain't happening. Four years. Even his quote-unquote breakout season, like I did an article, and, and when I started the article, I thought he broke out until looking at the numbers, he did not, in fact, break out last year. So. Corey Davis, always, always a beta. Womp, womp. Womp, womp, womp. The other side of that is there is another Jets receiver that's a favorite of a lot of people, um, including me. I, I like the profile of one Denzel Mims. Mm-hmm. But things aren't going so well for him. Nope. And 
the number one thing that behind Keelan Cole, I hear behind Keelan Cole, which is another analytic starling there, a small sport prospect that you know, happy to see a guy like that be able to continue to just live live the dream. But sure. the problem with Denzel Mims is some of it is just unfortunate luck. He's injured. That plays a part of why he's not starting right now. I think people are. I will say I'm mildly concerned with Denzel Mims, but at the same time, I'll say people are way overreacting to Denzel Mims. They go, he's not running with the ones. It's like, he's also been injured. He's not up to speed. Um, the, the other thing though, is like, this is valuable time he's missing. Mm-hmm. And if you're not able to practice with the ones and Corey Davis establishes his role, like he's got the money, he's gonna he's going to be starting. Elijah Moore is solidifying his role as not just a slot receiver, but a guy that can play on the outside. That's that's bad news for Denzel Mims. Jamison Crowder is still there, and he's a slot machine. Like Crowder, even though I was saying I thought he'd be released by the Jets, Crowder is still a great slot receiver. Mm-hmm. So if Crowder's mm-hmm. in the slot, Moore and Davis are on the outside. This is valuable time that that Mims is missing. He may very well be a backup. Now, it's it, he had the same thing happen last year too. He got hurt and missed like the first half of the season. So you just feel for the guy. It just gets yeah. a raw end uh, of a deal there. But that's the business of football. Yeah, and I agree with all of that. But it's also not out of the question that six, seven games into the year, Corey Davis is not looking worth his contract. And Denzel Mims is impressing during actual NFL games. So I'm wait and see approach. I'm with you. Overreaction. Do you have a little concern about him now? Yes. Yes. How can you not? But let's wait and see. Let's wait and see. So glad you brought him up because I almost forgot to. (laughs) So I'm glad you did. Or I should say I did forget to. But we go to the next spin rooney Ravens wide receiver flock. Okay. We can make this one kind of quick. All I know is it pertains to something I've been talking about, which is why I added it in here. Marlon Humphrey was talking about recently that there's a major change in energy with the wide receiver crew of the Ravens. Not only that, but the parts of the new coaching staff, there's a new receivers coach and a new passing game coach. And these coaches are adding some energy as well. I have been saying Baltimore is dead set on adding a bigger passing attack to their game. They drafted Rashad Bateman and Tamarian Terry is there. Sammy Watkins is there. And Lamar Jackson has some pretty good weapons to throw the fucking ball to now. And it seems like there's some coaches there who are really going to try and get the passing attack going. So this is news to me because it says to me that things are going the way that I have been predicting they would. Bust out the crystal ball. I forgot to plug it in tonight. God damn it. Okay, you go ahead and talk. I'm going to plug in the crystal ball. So with the Baltimore Ravens, 
The big investment, of course, was, was Rashad Bateman. And then they added at least a quality uh, veteran in Sammy Watkins uh, and drafted Tylen Wallace to go along with holdovers Marquise Brown, Devin DuVernay. And Miles oh, yeah. Boykin. Did I say Tamarian Terry? Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> <laughs> Were you thinking of Miles Boykin? That's I, I heard you say it. And I was like, well, oh, Miles Boykin's about the same size. Or was it DuVernay? No, 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 no. I know Tamarian Terry went to the Seahawks. I'm not sure. Um, I would say it's because they're both birds, both Ravens, birds. Seahawks. I, I don't know why. Because Tamarian, Tylen, whatever. Anyway, continue. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Well, the one thing I noticed about like these these six receivers, A, first, first thing is, my goodness, there's going to be some competition for that fifth and sixth oh, receiver yeah. spot. Yeah. It's going to be pretty brutal because there's even a second-year receiver that like I liked, I liked his rookie profile, James Brochet, but mm-hmm. it looks like he's going to be on the outside looking in. But the six main receivers here, what's nuts is the amount of speed, the amount of straight-line speed that they have. Tylen Wallace is the only guy that's not really fast. He ran a 4-5-5 40-yard dash, but the other five guys, Bateman, Watkins, Brown, uh, Boykin, Duvernay, those guys all ran a sub 4-5 40-yard dash. A couple of those guys ran a sub 4-4 40-yard dash. I love this because people have been shitting on Lamar Jackson forever, and I won't stand yep. for it. I have, been, I have been on, I've been big on Lamar Jackson from day one. Took him in my my main dynasty league as a rookie, and I because I was like, I'm just gonna I put on film. I was like, what do you not? See? I see a dynamic player here, and I see a guy that can make some throws. Is it consistent? No. Is it pretty? No. There are guys that could definitely throw it better, but also right. he was throwing to Willie Sneed, and Marquise Brown was was the alpha, and that's just not Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown could be a dangerous guy in this role, or now. Bateman could be the main receiver and Watkins being a bigger receiver, Sammy Watkins being a bigger receiver can, can be, I don't know if they'll utilize him outside or if they'll utilize him in a slot, which is where the chiefs used him. But man, Marquise Brown, if Marquise Brown is in the slot, he is going to burn linebackers and nickelbacks all day. Dangerous mm-hmm. weapon. If he's on the outside and not the number one guy and he's going against number two quarterbacks, he's going to burn them. This is great for Marquise Brown. I, I love it. I love what they what they're building there. Yes, they screwed up with the Marquise Brown draft pick. Like he just shouldn't have been right. a first round pick. But this is the perfect role for Marquise Brown is let Bateman be the alpha. Mm-hmm. Be the alpha. Brown be the speed guy. And Brown, Brown and best ball. <laughs> Golly. Because he's he was all, that was really the only way to to properly utilize him in fantasy football. So it had to be best ball. But love right. this love this new Ravens new wide receiver room because it's not Willie Sneed, thank God. Right, and I'm with you, man. I've I've been L. Jax from day one, man. He's one of my most owned quarterbacks across my dynasty leagues. Um, so I'm a big Lamar fan and. I've been saying get this motherfucker some better weapons. So I've been excited about this. This means they are doing what I would hope they and, you know, what I predicted they would do. And it's exciting. So here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Amari's ankle. You know, we've gotten through almost all these and, and, and we've done an efficient time and we've only landed on a double, I think, once. It's impressive. Yeah. 
Yeah. So we're just going to get right into it. We got Amari's ankle and then one last topic. So we're just going to finish it off since we make good time, beginning with Amari's ankle. So sounds like some irritation, problem with the ankle. He's going to be resting up and there's a good chance he's not starting training camp. Uh, He already wasn't present at mini camp and you know, it's probably no big deal. Amari Cooper missing some time. It's okay. He's going to get back in there and he's going to do his thing. And this is good. He's just resting his ankle so that he's good to go later on. However, I've been a staunch advocate of C.D. Lamb's ascension in this upcoming 2021 season. And they do not foresee that being stalled out. No, no, no. As a matter of fact, this makes me feel more confident. You mentioned previously in our last topic, precious time. If Amari Cooper is not out there, Dak is back, baby. And he was making some connections with CD before he got hurt. Mm -hmm. If that should continue, there's a chance a good chemistry builds there that could over time. I already thought it would happen at some point this season that it would just occur naturally Dak going to CD land more, but this makes me think it could happen a lot sooner. Now, again, it could just be rest in the ankle. He'll be good to go. And Hey, we've still got some time before a CD lamb breakout. But to me, again, the precious time missed some time for CD to really continue to build his connection with Dak. And uh, so, you know, I think some uh, no Amari time will be good for a one CD lamb, um, but we'll see how long he's sitting out. And it's it's still a little ways away. We don't know for sure he's going to be out, but it sounds like it's serious serious enough that right now they're saying, yeah, he probably won't be here when training camp starts. So it's got to be serious enough. Aaron, your thoughts? Yeah, so that that ankle injury that is that it's something to keep an eye on. Like that's not something that we can just disregard. And that's unfortunate too, because when I was digging up the stats here, it was CD lamb had the, the advantage in efficiency stats. CD mm-hmm. lamb was very good from an efficiency standpoint, basically compared to Amari Cooper, you go to player profiler, you look at all the efficiency metrics, they all point in favor of CD Lamb. Some of that is he plays in the slot. He's not going against the, the top cornerback. Uh, when when the two played last year, that was typically their roles. Cooper was the was the alpha. CD Lamb played in the slot. We also saw that in the first four games of the season. So Dak got hurt roughly what the third quarter of the fifth game. So I just kind of threw that game out. Uh, mm. But in the first four games of the season, the target share this blew my mind. Amari Cooper had a 25.4% and CeeDee Lambs was 13.9%. Cooper was getting targeted a lot. There was a 16 target game. There was a 12 target game. So when Dak was playing last year, he was looking Cooper's way. And, and as I started to kind of dig into this, it's like, you know, what are we, what are we kind of doing here? Uh, Cooper had a higher true catch rate and true catch rate factored out passes that aren't deemed catchable. Mari Cooper at a 90.2%. That was number 23 amongst all receivers. Uh, CD Lamb had an 85.1%, which was number 57, which did kind of strike me as, 
you know, if you're playing in the slot, you should have, like, you should be able to catch a lot more passes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cooper isn't, he's not dust yet. A lot of people, myself included, were, were ready for the CD, the CD Lamb show. What I would caution people on is, let's say this ankle injury ends up being something that Cooper's able to get back from in time to get some good work at training camp. He's a veteran. I mean, how much work does he really need in that? It's basically just get that ankle working properly. Mm-hmm. It's working properly there. There's their ADPs in best ball right now. It's 34 point. No, sorry. 32.8 for Marty Cooper, 34.2 for CD lamb. And what I, what I feel right now, just based off the ADPs is that we're already drafting lamb at his peak. We're drafting Cooper more at his at his lowest like uh, just based off ADP values I think Cooper is is the value because we're seeing that that ADP go down and down for him and up and up for CD Lamb and if if Cooper's ankle knock on wood it's not too bad but Cooper still he's still the alpha between those two guys it's kind of evidenced by when when Prescott was healthy and playing it he was getting almost twice the target share of CD Lamb a huge CD Lamb fan, and and Lamb is certainly like nothing to stop at. It's just with him having a basically third round draft capital, CD Lamb may be one of my biggest fades this year. Because what if he is a number two receiver? This offense isn't going to be passing as much as it did last year. Last year they were on a ridiculous pace. It was hmm. uh, Josh Larkey pointing that out. Like they they were on pace for something like seven hundred something pass attempts, which had which would have just crushed the NFL record there. But looking at the target share, Cooper still seems to be the alpha. And, and I fast forwarding and looking into late July and, and August, I will probably be more likely to draft Amari Cooper than CD Lamb because I just feel that people are going to be way overboard on CD Lamb. And I'm like, I can't do it. I feel you. I feel you. And hey, you're the Cowboys guy. So I got to listen to what you, I, I can't, you know, I got, I, I got to take what you say pretty serious. You know, I trust that. I trust that. Um, and it, and it does make sense what you're saying. And there's also, Hey, even if CD does rise to the top, that may be beneficial even more so for Cooper, because then maybe the top cornerbacks get switched to lamb, you know? So it, it, it's, a, I'm just, I figure at some point, CD Lamb's going to become the man. And Lamb will have his time. Absolutely. Right. And uh, I just wonder what the deal is with this. Ink. Like I said, it's curious that we're still a bit away from training camp and they're already like, yeah, he's probably not. Like I said, like that, that's just kind of, it's a little suspicious. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what all this adds up to. But uh, for now, we'll leave it at that. We'll move on to the final topic before we get out of here. Aaron, take us off. Start us on this Odell back with the Browns situation, what it all means, uh, the, the whole Browns are better without him, blah, blah, blah. Give me what your thoughts are on this entire situation, the Browns as a whole, if you want. Give me some info, and I'll I'll finish it off. Well, it's a mess, is the short story. Well, let's let's dig into some numbers here. So Odell Beckham last year commanded a 32.8% of the air yard share. That was number 19 amongst wide receivers. 
But at the same time, like he didn't do a good job of catching the ball. He had a 76.7%, number 92 true catch rate. So on passes that were deemed catchable, that 76.7% catch rate was not good. But then the other thing was that that story of Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham not being on the same page, there is some truth to it. Odell Beckham, a 68.2%, number 95 catchable target rate. So Mayfield couldn't couldn't connect well with, with Odell Beckham, but even when even when passes were getting to Odell Beckham, he wasn't catching it. So Beckham was, was a problem. And we did see that when Beckham did get injured and he was out of the picture, things, things seemed to be better for the Browns. Now, some of that may be a coincidence. Some of that may be that Baker Mayfield just suddenly it clicked, being in the Kevin Stefanski system, a new system that, hey, the middle of the season for, for him to finally put it all, to, I shouldn't say finally, but for him to put it, all together after half a season. Yeah, that, that seems about right. Now, Odell Beckham also had a 13 and a half, number 19 average target distance. He has a role in this because Jarvis Landry, despite being Baker's number one receiver last year, Landry, we know what he is. Landry is a right. slot receiver. He's a short yardage guy. That's not really an alpha. That's not a guy that you, you throw those deep passes to. And Odell Beckham was getting those deep those deep targets. It just was really, really struggling with it. And you, you wonder with the drafting of Donovan Peoples Jones last year and Anthony Schwartz this year, getting these guys that are straight line speed guys, like if they're drafted to handle more of the deep threat role, and maybe they have a new role for Odell Beckham, it'd be fun to watch. One of the things that there was actually two stats with Landry that caught my attention. Landry only had one game post Odell Beckham injury with more than 62 yards. Like Landry is not the alpha. He, he is the number two receiver. Just he isn't going to do much. He had one massive like 140 yard game. Everything else was below 62 yards. But at the same time, when Odell was out of this offense, Landry had 15 red zone targets in the seven games that Odell Beckham played. He had one red zone target. Meanwhile, Odell Beckham had 16 red zone targets. That was number 11. So that, which actually, I want to check that real quick. That might have been Landry's. Landry had 16. Let me let me verify my notes. I left confusing notes. My past me left confusing notes for present me. <laughs> but while I'm pulling this up, like it is, this offense without Odell Beckham was completely different. They, it, it, it's reliance on Jar, Jarvis Landry changed drastically. So yeah, so in, in total, sorry, the 16 was, that was the total red zone targets that Jarvis Landry had on the season. One that he had when Odell Beckham was playing at 15 mm -hmm. without, and the 16 targets in the red zone was number 11 amongst receivers. It shows you just how much that they were that they were switching gears and, and targeting Landry without Odell Beckham. Now, what that tells us going forward is, hey, Odell's back. We we have to assume that he's not getting traded. Like, there's been no talk. So, if he's back in Cleveland, that hurts for Jarvis Landry because he's not getting yards. And even with all those red zone targets, he finished with four touchdowns. The 12 and a half fantasy points was number was wide receiver 38 in points per game. So this is 
bad news for for Landry because Fodell's back. He's going to be commanding all those red zone targets. We saw mm-hmm. because Landry had basically zero. That's not good news for Jarvis Landry. Now, Dynasty Landry might be a good player to buy because there there has been in the past for the past what year off and on trade talks about oh this isn't working with Odell and Cleveland they'll move on. It does seem that the offense works better without Odell. Like something just isn't clicking with Baker and Odell. Now, maybe now that Baker is comfortable in the Stefanski offense and Odell, hopefully he's, he's healthy now, maybe it works. But it is it is a messy offense that, and I think with Odell there, nobody wins because Odell's not catching. Baker hasn't been connecting well with Odell. And when Odell plays, Landry is just a non-factor at, at all. Like he just he isn't giving you much besides just a very safe floor of about 12 points. Well, here's what I would say there is to think about. Uh, because I do think there's some shit to this particular situation that we can't really discuss or or you know look at. with numbers and that's it was listening to one of my pods i'm not sure which one but speaking to insider people there's the idea not me speaking to insider people obviously (laughs) but there's the idea that baker was really trying to force feed odell last year and i remember back some games thinking that same exact thought The idea is that after Odell went away, Baker had to do his thing. So there's a few things to this. Baker improved. Part of that is because, hey, they got out of some of, you know, they had some really like rainy, shitty games there for a few weeks early in the season. And so windy, they were having some issues. And I think it wasn't just like Odell not being there. It's he started to get used to the system. It started to click everything like that. So yes, I, I, I do know what the numbers say, but I also feel like that's was a lot of the team, maybe just Baker, maybe the team in general trying to force feed Odell. Now you fast forward to this year, they shown they were pretty damn good without Odell. So Odell should probably not be bitching about the ball, trying to get the ball or anything. Not only that, but I think Baker is probably a lot more comfortable in his own skin. He's had this change mentally, uh, like the way he is publicly. I think there's been a difference in him. I think he's taken on more of the leadership role. I think he's not going to feel obligated to force feed Odell. They get a different you know, role for him because they do have DPJ. They do have Anthony Schwartz. And I do think we're going to see some stuff from those guys. Okay. And then, you know, you're going to be, I think this could, I really do believe this is going to become a little bit more dangerous of a passing attack because I do believe Odell's going to turn it around a little bit. I mean, put it this way. He's going to have to, otherwise he's going to get, if, if he wants to keep up that same, I need the ball attitude that worked in New York for a minute. And then they shipped him out. 
if he gets shipped out of another team because of, of his attitude. And he's been really like relatively calm since he's been in Cleveland. He's been professional. He hasn't done no crazy shit. You know what I mean? Like, uh, but if he's demanding the ball, like how is he going to act if Baker's not trying to get him the ball next year? So, but if he takes his new role, accepts it, moves on because he's got to notice too, like, Hey, they played pretty fucking well without me, you know, down the stretch. They want a playoff game without me, like, (laughs) you know, so, (laughs) so he's got to be smart enough to realize that shit too. So like time to buckle up and, and just, you know, fucking roll. And if that's how it happens, this could be an even more dangerous offense, but you're right. You're right. It's on on paper. It definitely says there was a difference without Odell. But like I said, I think there's some factors there uh, uh, that contributed to that. And so we'll we'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting, my friend. Room for the Browns this year. Oh, absolutely. That is um, that is. I'm not even going to say dark horse. That's my Super Bowl pick right there. Oh hell yeah, that's cool. Cleveland has got. They've got pieces, and I know like we're just we're conditioned to go Cleveland sucks, but they are not. They have been building something special for years. And I think it's it's coming all together, and especially the offseason they just had. Mm-hmm. Be shocked to see Cleveland, which which they actually played a pretty competitive game with Kansas City. So that's yeah. in, in the playoffs. People the people are sleeping on Cleveland and they wake up. Cleveland's, Don't do Cleveland's it. Legit. <laughs> Uh, all right, buddy. Well, that was awesome. That was freaking awesome, bro. Absolutely. We got through all the topics, got through all the topics, uh, actually in decent time. And, uh, there we go. That was a hell of a pot. I had a lot of fun, Mr. Aaron. All right. Do we have any final thoughts? Um, obviously check out all of our content you can find aaron on the twitters at aaronstu09 me at rmk madness you can check out our written work at playerprofiler.com that's right and of course all this stuff you'll you'll find links for the the youtube version all this stuff on the twitters so oh and of course we've got the at dw underscore pod account the account for this pod. So get on there and follow that. But other than that, uh, yeah. Any last words, my friend? I'll just be on the lookout for when we record next week, I'll have my next article for player profiler out. It's a meet the metric. It is going to be total QBR. There you go. Published next Monday. Fantastic. I will definitely be checking that out. I love the, I love the meet the metric stuff. I got to, I got to do one, damn it. I got to do it. Maybe that's what I'll do. Go and go and grab them. I'm, I've got some that I need to sit down and write. I'll be starting tomorrow and it's going to be like a no distractions. I'm going to be turn my, there you my go. phone off and get, get some work in. I need to get like three or four of these done. I've, I've, I've got them and I feel guilty about having them. So I'm <laughs> I get some work done. Dude, I know completely how you feel. That's why I haven't even like been putting my ideas out there. I'm like, I just got to chill till I feel good about having time to ride because I feel you. I hate, I do not like that feeling. So I understand my friend. Well, good luck to you and your endeavors with that. Uh, I very much understand that, but I'm sure you'll crush it. You always fucking do, man. Let's get it. Absolutely. All right. 
And I guess as far as that, we're going to we're going to get the hell out of here until next time. Oh, yeah. Don't forget. Stay safe. Stay vigilant and mad. The best of us all. Have a great week. Until next time. Good pod, my friend. Excellent potting is table.